a special edition of the Purple and Bold podcast from Pensacola, Florida. I'm Shane Metlin, recording at the Sunbelt Basketball Tournament, where the JMU men and the JMU women both now know their first, or not first round, but quarterfinal round opponents, their opening opponents for their inaugural Sunbelt Tournaments. JMU women, the top seed on the women's side, will face number eight, Marshall, in a rematch of their regular season finale. That did not go well for the Dukes. Uh, JMU men now um, know they will play the number five seed, Troy, who just rallied to beat number 13, Arkansas State, here at the Pensacola Bay Center. This is a special edition of the Purple and Bold podcast. I'll try to record these. Um, each day I'm here covering JMU and the tournament. We'll see how far both JMU teams go. But early on, you know, as you may hear ODU, Texas State men getting started in the background here, it's looking like a, you know, interesting matchup for both teams. Start with the women where, like I said, uh, the most recent matchup with Marshall did not go well for the Dukes. They were down by 20 in the second half. That's our largest deficit of the season in any game. Uh, JMU did beat Marshall on the road in Huntington. That was a close game down the stretch, but they were able to pull that one out on the road. Um, the Dukes earned the top seed in the tournament for a reason, but it's tightly not tightly bunched on the women's side. Definitely one through six, although six seed Georgia Southern, who swept the regular season with JMU, is already out. Uh, the Dukes will not have to worry about them, even if they continue to advance. Um... But it is a Marshall team that gave them so much trouble. Abby Beeman was red hot in Harrisonburg the other day, led to thundering her to a victory, and picked up right where she left off in the second round game. Uh, another huge game for them. Played 40 minutes. Uh, was nearly unstoppable. Just, you know, almost a triple-double for her. Uh, so I imagine, you know, right now, Sean O'Regan, his staff, are looking at ways to try to slow her down. Uh, I don't know if they'll go big on her, maybe put a Kiki Jefferson or somebody on her to try to guard her, slow her down a little bit. But it'll be very interesting to see what the Dukes do to try to reverse the course of how that regular season ended. You have to keep in mind as well that JMU, in that one, didn't have a ton to play for. Uh, They could have won the Sun Belt regular season outright, which would have been a nice little notch in their belt. Um, but they knew they had already had the number one seed locked up. They knew they were going to be able to claim a Sun Belt regular season title. That number 2023 will go up on the banner in the Atlantic Union Bank Center. The team's, you know, immortalized to some degree by that. And really what matters now is what happens in the tournament, not what happened in the regular season finale. But... You do, when you uh, get blown out like that, you do kind of, uh, you know, put some doubt in your own mind, perhaps, and you definitely put um, some confidence into the psyche of your opponent when it's a team like Marshall. And you knew at the time that it was fairly likely Marshall might end up be the team you would see in the quarterfinals, which is Jamie's first game here in Pensacola. Um, From what I've been able to tell so far, it does seem like this JMU team is pretty loose, that they're ready to go. Um, 
you know, everything they post on social media, I've seen the practices, things like that. They do seem loose. They seem, they seem like they're going to, you know, take it in stride. And they're probably looking forward to another opportunity to play a Marshall team where they know um, they didn't give Marshall their best shot. And as, you know, Sean O'Regan said earlier this week in his press conference, you know, something to the effect of, you know, when we bring our A game, when we come out focused, when we play well, we haven't lost, you know, that in that situation. So I think if you're JMU, if you're Sean O'Regan, they can come out, you know, play well early in that game, reestablish their own confidence, you know, maybe start to, you know, put some more doubt into, uh, the heads of the Marshalling Thunder heard it could be maybe a, a return to order a little bit for the Dukes who, as I mentioned, they earned the top seed in this tournament uh, for a reason. They probably spent the most time on top of the standings of anybody in the conference, although they end up in a three-way tie for first. Um, but it is kind of... You look at the bracket. If they can get through this Marshall team that gave them trouble, the majority of the teams that, you know, if they knock Marshall out tomorrow, then I think every team that beat them in the Sun Belt will be gone. Um, and it's not easy to beat a good team like a Southern Miss, like a Troy. There are others. It's not easy to beat those teams more than once in a season. But it is shaping up to be a bracket that JMU has proven they can handle if they go ahead and take care of business against Marshall on Friday. I am sitting here recording this on Thursday afternoon, as I said, at the Pensacola Bay Center in Pensacola, Florida. And, you know, that's what I've got on the women's side. As I also mentioned, just, you know, finished watching Troy come from behind to beat Arkansas State. Arkansas State team that um, got up by 12 in the second half. And you know, let's just be honest, like Arkansas State was terrible all year long. They lost 13 to 14 at one point before winning a few games down the stretch to avoid being the number 14 seed in this 14 team tournament. Um, but you, they were the one team that JMU um, didn't play this season in uh, in Sunbelt regular season play. So I hadn't seen a ton of Arkansas State going into that one. I was impressed by their athleticism. I was impressed by um, their guard play to a certain degree. Um, it was, you were able to see why they pushed Troy to the edge. Um, you know, maybe have some talent. Uh, but um, in situations late in the game where they had three straight possessions where they had layups to tie it. They weren't able to make them. They had a situation where... Um, they had the ball down two with about 40 seconds left, called timeout to set up a play. And it was one of the worst offensive possessions I've seen from a team coming out of a timeout. Um, and they didn't, get, they didn't get any points there. Even though in some a little bit of a chaos towards the end of the shot clock, the ball got knocked loose, ended up in the hands of an Arkansas start player who ended up getting a good look at it and just couldn't get it to fall. But it was not good offense to get to that point. They didn't run the play they had set up. And you can kind of see how Arkansas State wound up losing a lot of those games, even though they have the talent to push a Troy team, the fifth seed in the tournament, to JMU's number four seed. Um, they had the talent to push them to the edge. Will that make a difference when Troy and JMU end up meeting on Saturday? 
one thing that's a little bit different to a typical conference tournament because they're playing the men and the women at the same location um, overlapping is these teams that have to play these two early round games, it will probably start to catch up with them early in the or later in the week if any of them advance, you know, beyond the quarterfinals. But you look at the schedule now, Troy does get to go back to the hotel, relax, rest, recover, recuperate. They've got some guys that are a little banged up. They get some time to um, do that recuperation, go through their training stuff, meet with their training staff, get fed, do a lot of things, get some sleep tonight, and not have to play until Saturday. Um, the day off in between is a fairly unique thing to this Sunbelt tournament because, like I said, they're playing men and women overlapping in the same arena and <clears throat> we'll see how much that difference that makes for um, Troy because I could imagine that coming back tomorrow after a hard fought game um, where your best players played a lot of minutes they were battling down to the wire um, coming back tomorrow from that could be pretty tough that would be a big time advantage for JMU who earned the double bye by getting fourth in the conference. But does that go away a little bit now that, you know, you're playing a good Troy team that has played well for the most season. They're now a 20-win team along with JMU, Louisiana, Marshall, Southern Miss. That's five 20-win teams in the Sun Belt. If we're going to talk about the depth in this conference, uh, JMU and the other four that I mentioned beyond Troy are – you know, top 100 ranked teams. This is not going to be an easy tournament for anyone to win. And the JMU men, you know, they were all, uh, I think most of the players, uh, definitely the entire coaching staff was here scouting that one. They got a good look at a Troy team that um, they battled and beat in overtime in Troy, Alabama earlier this season. January 18th, I believe it was, when they played. Uh, seems like a long time ago, but, uh, you know, they do have these two teams do have some familiarity and you know just going down to the press conference and listening to Troy Scott Cross talk um, and I know Mark Byington has talked about Scott Cross as being you know one of his uh, people in coaching that he I think bounces ideas off of and they were I think maybe glad that uh, they thought they were rid of each other when uh, Byington left Georgia Southern to go to uh, JMU and leave the Sun Belt and JMU winds up in the Sun Belt facing Scott Cross again, and there, there's a lot of similarities between those two coaches. Uh, you, you just, you hear Cross's, um, I don't want to say catchphrases, but a lot of the things that coaches say um, are the same things that Mark Byington says a lot, you know, toughness uh, is rewarded in this sport, things like that. Uh, I talked a lot about, you know, how tough his team was down the stretch. He likes to see that. So I think it's going to be a very hard-fought game against uh Similar teams with similar styles when uh, JMU and Troy meet up here on Saturday. Um, beyond that, you know, haven't looked too far ahead of the bracket for the men because, you know, it, it's going to be a hard-fought one. It's not easy for JMU men to uh, get through here. But I do feel like if they can take care of a Troy team, <coughs> excuse me, sets them up fairly nicely even though they are on the side um, with uh, some good teams. They're going to have to be good teams to advance but I think JMU on the men's side as well as the women 
are among those teams that are very capable of winning this whole thing and advancing to the NCAA tournament. Storyline for the men, as you know, maybe maybe too many JMU fans are well aware of and uh, wish they didn't know, is you know it's been a decade. It's been since 2013 since a JMU men's basketball team has advanced past the quarterfinal round of a conference tournament. And, you know, it's been a mixture of things. It's been it's been just flat-out bad teams. It's been solid teams that just didn't win their first game. It's been uh, good teams, you know, once or twice. Uh, you can go back to 2021, a very good JMU team that was the number one seed and sees their player of the year, Matt Lewis, go down right before the end of the regular season. Uh, and then the fact that there was no tournament for them last year after the CAA kind of banned them from conference tournament play when it was announced they were joining the Sun Belt. Different circumstances, same result that JMU has not played in a conference semifinal in a decade. But in 2013, when they did make it that far, they made it even farther. They won the quarterfinal game, they won the semifinal game, and then advanced to the championship game where they wound up beating when they wound up winning and advancing to the NCAA tournament, won a play-in game in the NCAA tournament that year. So it's been a decade, and now they are <clears throat> really in position to uh, have a chance to advance further this year. When you look at the talent, the depth, this team, uh, the experience, this is the ninth most experienced team in the country based on um, the average number of years of Division One ball their roster has played. Uh, they average more than three years, more than 3.1 years per player of Division One experience. Marshall's the only team in, the, con in um, the Sun Belt that is more experienced than JMU. They're the eighth most experienced team in the country. Um, so those are the veteran groups, although Southern Miss um, is also a veteran group. They, you know, they have some JUCO guys and some things that, uh, you know, skew those numbers a little bit as far as, you know, the average number of years they played at the Division One level. But you look at JMU and Marshall as, you know, you're – most experienced teams in this field. JMU is the deepest team in this field. They don't have the superstars that a few of these teams do. A few of these teams like know exactly who their go-to guy is in this setting. But I do feel like JMU is probably built for tournament play if they can get past the initial, the initial, you know, I don't know how to say jitters, but you know, everybody's kind of feeling things out at the start of a tournament. Troy's already played a game. They won't be completely unrested because, as I mentioned, they're off Friday as the women come here and take over the building on Friday. And we'll see the Jamie women play. But it will be quite interesting to see, you know, just if the double buy is as big of an advantage as we made it out to be throughout the season. I think it is to definitely a certain degree. But when you're playing a Troy, a team that's as good as Troy, and a team that has done well and will get a chance to recover a little bit after getting the feel of this place. They, you know, they get in here, they shoot. Um, it's, a, it's an arena that is clearly designed mainly for hockey. It's, you know, home of the uh, Pensacola Ice Pilots minor league hockey team. It's got that feel to it. Um, you know, there's a lot of space on the ends uh, where the hockey goals are, so you're not it may take a little bit of a time, I think, as far as, you know, getting used to shooting in here as compared to a lot of the Sunbelt 
Venus. A little bit of an interruption here doing this on location, but as I mentioned, um, Troy has gotten the uh, lay of the land in this arena. We'll see if that is uh, an advantage that kind of counters JMU's advantage of being the fresh team and uh, getting the double bye. But, you know, we won't know until Saturday when those teams step out on the floor. It should be a fairly evenly matched uh, game. We'll, we'll look for a line here. In the meantime, I think, you know, JMU's probably a slight favorite um, I think JMU is more capable of winning this game. They're, they're capable of winning the whole thing. Whether or not they do, whether or not they feel pressure, because for a lot of these guys, it's you know really one of their only chances to um, play in this type of game for this type of thing. Although they have guys who have played in conference tournaments before, they have you know a uh, a Mezzi offer them. Be really interesting to see how much they rely on him as the one guy who has played in a conference tournament and won a conference tournament to go to the NCAA tournament while he was at Mount St. Mary's. Um, but it's something that, you know, you can really look at both coaching staffs for the men and the women. Um, very accomplished coaches in the regular season. Uh, Sean O'Regan has won almost 80% of his conference games since becoming JMU's head coach. Uh, won multiple regular season titles. Has not won that conference tournament title to get to the NCAA tournament yet. Mark Byington is a guy who's making a habit of winning 20 or more games in a season at places there that just doesn't happen very often. Georgia Southern is, you know, frankly one of the most disadvantaged programs as far as, you know, basketball is concerned, as far as, you know, what they invest in it, their facilities, things like that. They're working on changing that. But while Mark was there, it was not, um, it was not easy. It was not an easy job, and he turned it into a place where they won fairly consistently. Comes to JMU. Turns that place, turns this place around right away. Um, wins 20 games for first time in since 2016 at JMU, um, and has them in position to possibly win this tournament. But he's a guy who has not made the NCAA tournament yet. As a mid-major coach, where it's very difficult to do that because you have to win your conference tournament, and he hasn't done that. But he's got a JMU team that might be capable. We'll see on Saturday when they get started if they can go ahead and finish off Troy and advance to the semifinals. I think, I think once we get a semifinal set, it's going to be four teams who all have a legitimate shot at winning the whole thing. It'll be very, very fun, very interesting. I'm glad to be in Pensacola to see it go down. We'll see how many games both the JMU men and women end up playing. And if either one of them, one or both, ends up cutting down the nets and extending their season into the NCAA tournament for what in the mind of Duke's fans around the country I'm sure has to feel like it's been way too long since either one of them has you know, really been a part of the March Madness that we all know and love. So with that, this is a short, quick, a little bit rough edition of the Purple and Bold podcast on location at the Pensacola Bay Center. I'll be doing these throughout the week. Uh, I'm glad you're here and listening, and keep tuning in. Thank you.